The great outdoors is a place of enjoyment, peace, and solitude. But at times, the outdoors experience goes dark. Increasingly, outdoors lovers are encountering criminal elements, psychos, dangerous wildlife, and strange weather occurrences. Our goal is to raise awareness by equipping you with cutting-edge information and to shine light into the dark outdoors. Welcome to Dark Outdoors. This is Chester Moore. Snakes probably strike more fear in people than any other creature on the planet. I'm someone who's always loved snakes and found them fascinating. Of course, I've had a great respect for snakes, understanding that venomous snakes can kill you, and at the very least, hurt you very badly. There's a lot of misinformation about snakes out there, and a lot of unwarranted fear of snakes are not even venomous. But there are people who get bitten by snakes. And these stories need to be told to raise awareness. My friend Lucas Pelt was bitten by a snake, and you're about to hear his painful and very interesting journey through snake bite. Of course, this program is dedicated to snakes and venom and snake bite awareness and, and stuff like that. And uh, I think the best way we could do this is to give someone's story to raise awareness. And uh, so, Lucas Pelt, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Chester, for having me. Let's just uh, talk about what happened to you here. You've been an outdoors guy your whole life. You love the outdoors. You love fishing. You love hunting, being out in the marsh. Somehow you got sideways with a cottonmouth. Uh, so what, this happened back in 2017 um, out in Trinity Bay, uh, Texas, around Anahuac. We were uh, doing a, um, a veterans outdoors uh, I was on a Veterans Outdoors charity um, board, and we did an alligator hunt out at Cajun Outback, mm-hmm. um, and I went out as staff. Uh, we had um, sent out the guys to go check the lines with the game wardens, um, and the staff stayed behind to kind of clean up a little bit and mm-hmm. just recover from the, the evening. Um, I, I look up, and this is a week, two weeks after Hurricane Harvey hit. Uh-huh. Uh and I look up and I see out in the marsh, and it looks like it's just a like a, a lost steer, you know. Like, mm-hmm. man, what is this thing doing out here? And I, I kind of take a second guess, look at it again a little bit longer, realize it's a pig. And I said, oh, okay. Well, I have a nine millimeter carbine, and it's thing at five hundred yards. And I'm like, well, let's just see what happens. Um, so I start gradually walking towards it. Uh, and I tell the guys around me, hey, man, look, there's a pig. And so everybody kind of takes off on their own. And I'm walking this levee that can't be more than two and a half, three feet wide, just a, across this piece of the marsh. And I get about 75 yards. And I I haven't looked down once to see where I'm walking because I'm in full target mode. Yeah. Uh, I raise up, finally get to where I'm like, you know what? I, I don't think I'm going to get much closer than this. Let's see if I can put a few rounds from 75 in and about that time something hits my foot and it's i'm like it felt like a stick stabbed me you know you run up on like a a, man i was like what is that Mm -hmm. and i look down at my my foot right underneath my right ankle and that that artery that runs around there is i'm squirting blood about four and a half five feet from my foot whoa now what are you wearing are you wearing like uh i'm wearing look i'm gonna go and be honest with you i was wearing flip-flops Flip flop. Okay, because I'm thinking, my God, if the blood was so pressured that it shot through a boot, we're, we're in bad shape. 
So we we're we're around Cape now back and the reason I didn't have my boots on or anything is because around this lodge it's it's so well maintained and manicured. It's like a golf green. Yeah. All around the outside of it. And well, I that's great for flip flops, but when you decide that you're gonna cross a levee not good. um no. <laughs> <laughs> so I get out there and, and I get hit and I'm like, What okay, I got stabbed, you know, by a stick or something and I turn and I look back and I'm like, what? And right in the middle of, uh, of the levee there, there's every bit of four and a half foot, five foot cotton mouth. Oh, Just, you got hit by I a mean, big cotton mouth then. Oh yeah. yeah. No, this thing was like as thick as a Coke can. Yeah. I mean, and just had his mouth open and just hissing and you could see the blood and just, it was just, uh, it was, it was like an out of the body experience. Cause I went, okay, I've got all this, all this medical training and, um, and, and different types of survival training. What do I do with a snake bite? Like mm. all back when you're military training, that's what I was, I was trying to do. So I'm like, okay. Then I was like, uh, drawing a blank. What, what do we do for snake bites? And I'm like thinking everywhere I've ever been. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like military didn't train me for that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this all happened, you know, in, in like six seconds. Um, the, the, all this long drawn out thought process, but I, but I just, instinct took over so I shot it rolls around rolls off the levee everybody thinks I'm shooting at the pig so they start shooting at the pig and I'm like no snake and they're like well come here and I'm like oh okay and I, I think yeah sure I take four steps the adrenaline wore off I couldn't walk anymore wow. um, I start trying to low crawl and I've, I've never been in this kind of pain it felt like someone was driving red hot nails out of a nail gun into my foot and, and underneath my ankle. So they, uh, they finally kind of get to me and one guy, he decides he's going to tie a tourniquet on, which wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't know that at the time. Well, we have game wardens on our board out there and there's a, uh, there's a, but there's a married couple that's a game warden and, uh, the wife was out there with us and she, <laughs> we're, so the guys are getting me, trying to get me from this levee to the front of the lodge so I can get in a boat to make the 40 minute boat ride back. Wow. And this is not a, by the way, this is not a good scenario far as like, <laughs> it's not like you got hit in your yard and you're 10 minutes later, you're in the emergency room. You were no, in the middle it, of nowhere. It, it, exactly. And the night before I, when we were out checking gator lines, it rained on us and my phone died. So I have no phone with me. My guys, they've got it, but it's, granted, who are you going to call yeah. to come out there? You're already with us. So they go to, we're probably like a quarter mile from the lodge, um, and they run back to the lodge. Well, the only uh, UTV that's there is this one with a busted head gasket. Mm-hmm. They drag it out of the garage to, to get me in it because I can't walk back this way. Wow. Um, we get there, and then the, the female came warden. She, uh, she, she's looking right at me when we get to the boat. Her, her husband's driving, about to get, uh, loading the boat up. I got an EMT there working on me, and I looked straight at her and I said, I don't really know what happens here. And she's like, well, you're not going to die. And I was like, okay, great. She's like, you are going to lose your leg. Whoa. I was like, oh. Wow. Hmm. So they get me in the boat. I'm, I'm kind of going in and out of consciousness because the pain is just overwhelming. I've never had anything debilitate me to that extent um so they get me in the boat and like i said i'm in out of consciousness and they get me to this uh boat ramp 
and I'm, I'm not a small guy. I'm like six one two fifty, and so everybody trying to lift me up out of a boat on to like a floating dock, it's a big deal. Sure. And <laughs> so they get me out of there, and uh, they get me to the ambulance, and the EMT she she gives me the uh, like a like a pretty a pretty robust shot of of fentanyl to stop the pain immediately, and she gave it to me, and I popped up and screamed at her about quit giving me the kitty Tylenol. And she was like, she was like, sir, this, this should put a, you know, a 500 pound animal down. I was like, it's not doing anything. In increasing numbers, people across North America are going missing in the wild. Dark Outdoors is committed to shining light on this topic and raising awareness when public interest in these cases fades away. This week's Missing in the Wild is Steve Keel. He's been missing since August 27, 2022. Steve went missing while on a hunting trip with a friend in Alaska. He was last seen in the morning at the base camp about five miles from Dalton Highway to retrieve a backpack he had left about six-tenths of a mile away from base camp. Steve was carrying a pistol, water bottle, and his cell phone. His cell phone does have a tracker on it. Steve is 61 years old, has gray hair, is 5 feet 7 inches tall, and weighs 200 pounds. If you have any information, please contact North Slope Borough Police Department at 907-659-2515. This is Chester Moore. And if you love horror, you need to go to Texas Frightmare Weekend. Texas Frightmare Weekend is a Southwest premier horror convention and film festival. Now entering its 17th year, the event will now take place May 26th to 28th, 2023 at the Irving Convention Center in Toyota Music Factory. Texas Frightmare Weekend is proud to announce the return of John Carpenter, legendary director of Halloween, The Thing, The Fog, Escape from New York, They Live, and many more. Tickets and info are available now at TexasFrightmareWeekend.com. That's TexasFrightmareWeekend.com. Now, on the pain here, uh, you said yeah. it was like a stick hitting you, like if you stepped into a sharp stick or something like that. At first, you thought, and then it just got, you know, it was immediately really bad. Was it a burning? Was it a stabbing? Can you kind of describe the pain? Yeah. So, uh, so what I got hit with, they, they figured it out after they, they, inspect everything so i got bit three times i got a wet bite once and then two grabs with with one thing each yeah. just the way it would happen and it happened so fast that i would have never thought it was three but it was just that that's how the how we end up finding the puncture wounds um oh. so the instantaneous pain like i said was just a stick the adrenaline okay well that kind of hurt like you know you stab yourself in your foot with a stick or something maybe you bleed a little bit no big deal but it was instantly when i saw that where the venom was going straight into into that artery yeah um it started going up the other side of my leg and the pain that was coming out of it if you if you the way that i can picture it in my mind it was a nail gun mm. with the the nails were lava and they were going in like so you're in this mega pain and now they've got you in a boat where do they take you now? Do they take you to do they so, arrange for an EMT to meet you at a dock somewhere or something like that? Yeah. So they had the EMT meet us at the dock, um, and they took us to the closest hospital, which at this time was a hospital in uh, in Baytown. And we get there, granted, like I said, you got to go back to this is a week and a half, two weeks after Harvey. Mm -hmm. And so 
everything is shut down everywhere. Everything's been flooded. And now they have all of the county and jail patients moved into this hospital because their hospital flooded. So we get to the hospital and I'm laying in the waiting or in the, out in the middle of the waiting room in a hall for eight and a half hours. This place had no idea. Uh, and so I'm laying in this hospital and it's like every 15 minutes, uh, I'm, I'm they're rotating between Dilaudid, uh, fentanyl and morphine, but it, the pain is just unrelenting. Now it's going up my leg. It, this is so normal to me. Most people don't realize it, but I have real bad nerve damage. And so my leg will get super hot and inflamed. And that's where, that's what it was doing. The whole leg was on fire and the compartmental, the compartment just kept swelling and growing. So they, they finally, I'm in ICU for two days and I'm out of it. I mean, I'm, I'm having to, I'm so doped up to just deal with the pain that I'm out of it. And about two in the morning, granted this whole time, everybody's been telling me I'm losing my leg. I'm going to lose my leg. I've had a plastic surgeon come in and tell me that I'm going to lose my leg in the next couple of days. I'm like, cool. Like at this point I have made peace with it. Um, it doesn't sound super like what I've made peace because uh, as a combat veteran, I'm like, I was supposed to lose some stuff anyway. And this just helps build my story. I'm going to go at the time I was a gunsmith. I'm going to go, I'm going to go be a a one legged gunsmith on YouTube combat vet. Like that's, that's what I'm going to go do. And then this candy striper comes in at like two 30 in the morning. And he's like, man, what's going on? I was like, what's up? And he's like, what's it feel like to buy two brand new Mercedes? What are you talking about? He's like, man, look at this chart. He looks like you just took 10 vials of Crofab at $20,000 a vial. I was like, oh, jovial. And he's like, oh, and you're not going to lose your leg. And I'm like, oh, great. That was the worst part of it was at at that moment I realized I was going to have to go through all of the pain and everything I was dealing with in my leg to rehab it. So let me, let me I just get this yeah. straight from a psychological standpoint. Here. Yeah. The pain was so bad that you're like, look, if they take the leg off and it stops hurting, cool. Uh, yeah. You know, and as long as I live. And now you're like, dang, I got to go through this. So this was unrelenting, terrible it, pain it, that, it, it, they, yep. that was like a pain that's kind of like you have to live it. And hopefully no one here listening does to understand it. I, I, there's nothing else I could ever categorize it with. I mean, I've, I've had bad breaks. I've compression fractured vertebrae. I've, I've had parachuting accidents. I mean, I've, I've done all kinds of stuff. This was the worst and it, it, you're right. It was unrelenting. It was no matter the amount of medication they gave me, it, it never, it never killed the pain. It never subsided it. It, it was just enough to be able to breathe for another 15 20, 30 minutes. Pray, prepare, and pack heat. It's time for some dark outdoors defense strategies and techniques. In this week's Dark Outdoors Defense, we're going to talk with renowned snake venom expert, Dr. Spencer Green, about snake bite response. Go any further if no one else listens to anything else in this program, what someone should do if they are bitten by a pit viper. What's the first step you should take? Uh, a step back from the snake. Yeah, there you go. So you don't want to get bitten again. You don't want any harm to come to yourself or any rescuers. And I don't want any harm to come to the snake. 
What should you do? It's very simple. Most of the things that were recommended previously have proven to be useless at best mm-hmm. and dangerous at worst. Okay. What you definitely do not have to do, and it makes me crazy when you have physicians telling people this, what we do not have to do is bring the snake into the hospital. You know, obviously a live snake poses a threat to a bunch of people yeah. and that snake's life is at risk as well. Mm-hmm. But even a dead snake can still envenomate. You know, there was mm-hmm. a guy in Texas two years ago who almost died after being bitten by a decapitated rattlesnake. And that story got a lot of attention. Surprisingly, what didn't get a lot of attention was the gentleman who actually died from a decapitated prairie rattlesnake in South Dakota a few years before that. So we don't want to bring in the dead snake, and we don't want to bring in the live snake. If you can quickly and safely take a picture of the snake, that's wonderful. But it's not essential. Ultimately, making the diagnosis of a pit viper animation is clinical. Anyone who knows anything about snake bites can easily recognize the clinical features of a pit viper bite. Mm -hmm. The problem is many people don't. So what should you do? If you can quickly and safely take a picture, great. Otherwise, get away from the snake, get somewhere safe. You want to calm down. You need to understand that death is really, really uncommon following pit viper bites in the United States. There's an average of 3.4 deaths per year in the United States. And oftentimes, it's people who don't seek any medical attention. So just going to the hospital makes it almost, almost definitely that you're going to survive. I can't promise it, but, you know, way, way, way more often than not. Mm-hmm. So be calm. Realize that what we worry about primarily is tissue injury and local disability, not not death. So calm down. Call 911 or call someone to take you to the hospital. You know, we should do with systemic toxicity more often than not. Mm-hmm. If you're only a few minutes away by car, have someone drive you. It's a whole lot faster than calling 911. On the other hand, if you're a ways away from the hospital and if you're having any symptoms like trouble breathing or lightheadedness or chest pain, definitely call 911. Mm-hmm. So Arrange to get yourself to the hospital. Other than that, remove anything constrictive, whether it's jewelry or clothing. You want nothing tight against the affected limb. Well, that goes that completely catch. against everything I saw in Western movies. You got to take your bandana off and restrict the venom, right? You got to make a, you know, you always see that. And I actually still see that popping up every once in a while as advice. And it's so frustrating because it's one of the worst things you can do. Mm-hmm. What do we worry about with pit viper bite? Primarily tissue injury. Anything that restricts the flow of the lymph is going to increase the local damage. We don't want to use a tourniquet. Tourniquets are great for life-threatening bleeding, as in trauma, but this is something completely different. Cutting off the arterial blood supply to a limb that's already been envenomated is just adding insult to injury. Wow. We don't want to do that. We don't even want to do pressure immobilization. First of all, you're not going to do it right. There was a great study out of California showing that nobody can do this correctly. But even if you could, all you're doing is preventing the systemic absorption of a venom that's likely to cause local injury. And you're concentrating the venom locally. You're increasing the local pressures, and you're going to damage the lymphatic vessels. So we don't want to do anything tight. In fact, you want to elevate the affected limb to get all the fluid out of the affected limb. And this also goes contrary to what was taught previously and what's unfortunately still being taught by people who should know better. Mm-hmm. We know, those of us who treat snake bites have known for years that elevating the affected limb improves outcomes. We now have data proving it, but some people still don't get it. What I find is that the second I elevate the limb, it helps with the pain and the swelling. We know that people get better faster. So remove anything tight, elevate the affected limb, and don't do anything stupid. And by that I mean don't use 
you know, cutting and sucking. Don't use electricity to neutralize the venom. This I was, was so going to ask about the old stun gun thing, which always seems yeah, kind of shitty to me. <laughs> stun guns, you know, the, the theory behind them is that you can denature the venom. Yeah. But you know what else it does? It can denature the human, the yeah, victim. Sure. It doesn't help. It causes a local injury and occasionally kills people. And I always joke, you know, it's kind of cool in a Tarantino sort of way to hook their friends up to a car battery or whatever, but it's not going to do anything good for the bite whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So don't do that. And don't, do not use those extraction devices, the venom extraction devices. Mm-hmm. They're still sold everywhere. And it, it's horrifying. You know, there are about 11 of us who are involved with a public awareness campaign last year to get these off the market. They don't actually remove venom. What they do accomplish is removing interstitial fluid and creating a negative pressure energy that exacerbates the injury. Hmm. They make things worse. And that's why my favorite editorial of all time was written by my good friend and colleague, Sean Bush, back in February 2004 in the Annals of Emergency Medicine. He looked at all the data. He correctly concluded that these extraction devices don't help. All they do is cause damage. So the title of the editorial is Venom Extraction Devices Don't Remove Venom. They Just Suck. I like it. Great title. Yeah. So Um, don't do any of that stuff. Just get to the right hospital. And I want to emphasize that while I have the chance. In Texas and surrounding areas where there's a lot of bites, you'd think all hospitals know how to manage snake bites. That is sadly not true. Mm-hmm. I would argue that most hospitals manage snake bites very poorly, whether it's a lack of understanding or a lack of caring or a lack of resources or what. Most bites are not managed correctly. And as someone who's devoted his career to managing snake bites, it's, it's disheartening to see how poorly so many bites go, you know, whether they get undertreated or incorrectly treated, you know, things like surgical intervention, which is really never necessary acutely for a snake bite. Mm-hmm. You want to go to the right hospital. You want to go to the place where you have a snake bite expert. And although most places don't have a snake bite expert, you can always find someone in, in a region who knows what he or she is doing. And you know, fortunately in Houston, people know about me. Um, in other cities, they have other people. But you don't want to go to a place that doesn't have expertise because you may not get treated uh, in a timely fashion. You may not get treated correctly. And the worst case scenario, you'll get treated incorrectly to the point where they're causing damage. You know, surgeons should not be touching snake bites acutely, and, and really almost never chronically, only if there's full thickness necrosis, which is exceptionally rare. Mm-hmm. But acutely, it's not a surgical condition. It is a medical condition, best managed with medicine, and specifically antivenom. And that's the other thing. A lot of hospitals carry it. Many hospitals don't know when to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. They just don't treat aggressively enough, even though we have great literature mm-hmm. showing that even mild bites get better faster when you treat them correctly with antivenom. Dark Outdoors Defense is brought to you by Hog Hunt USA, an app created to help control the hog population by helping more people kill more hogs more often. They're doing this by building a network of outfitters and landowners to provide excellent hunting opportunities at a big discount. I totally dig that. The hunts begin in January, but starting in October, you can log in to upload pictures of your hog hunts for a chance to win a night vision scope gift certificate for a hunting rifle and other hog hunting gear we'll be reporting about this here on dark outdoors and other media platforms don't forget hog hunt usa it's going to be a game changer in the hunting world you're gonna have to do some rehab so what did like recovery from this snake bite i mean how big did your leg get did it swell up really big yeah it got it it, it. It didn't get as big as everybody was afraid it was going to be get. Uh-huh. Um, most of my swelling happened at at my uh, at the hinge joint in my foot, and my calf took the bottom part of my calf took most of it. 
I'm very, very hard-headed when it comes to doing things my way. Um, so after a couple of days of being home from this, they're really the, the biggest thing we found was there, there's not like a massive protocol for a rehab on this. My rehab taking me, you know, a couple months, I just forced it and jumped into it. And I, I, I still live with the pain. I still have nerve issues all over for places that – I never would have thought I got bit in my ankle and I have, <laughs> I have nerve issues with my trigger finger now. And did anyone tell you estimate or is it possible? I mean, it's a big cotton mouth. That thing has the potential for a pretty good size venom dump. I mean, any, anyone have an estimate of like how much venom got in there? No. Um, I know that there was, there was some, a uh, pretty good, uh, argument discussion between the game wardens and, um, EMTs that, that, um, first saw me when I came in the into the hospital, um, just passing through, and they were trying to say that oh, it wasn't a wet bite, wet bites. One of the game wardens, he he's real popular on Lone Star Law. We call him Hollywood. He he looks at it and he uh, he says, I don't know how you could say that's not wet. There's venom leaking out of it, and the foot is swollen. And uh, yeah, there was never an estimate on on how much I took from it. Uh, I would have liked to have known that, but um, maybe that's something we, we can figure out talking to an expert. Obviously, you learned flip-flops on a levy hog hunting. Maybe not a good idea. What have you learned? I mean, was there a psychological impact from this? I mean, very, Were you nervous to go back like in the duck marsh, for example? Very much so. The, the next year, uh, a friend of ours had us out to their place, um, and it's up uh, north of Vider, um and – uh, up on the river by the saltwater barrier and we went out there to go duck on and we were just <laughs> walking across some, it wasn't thick dense woods or anything like that, but I'm telling you, I mean, I, I can go ahead and test. I have post-traumatic stress from, uh, from combat, yeah. but this was a completely like, Oh, I didn't realize I had this. And so like, I'm, I'm in shorts and snake boots, um, going out there. And I, ever since then, like, it doesn't matter if I go, if I'm going to the beach out of McFadden, I'm bringing snake boots in the truck with me because I, they're just, I don't play anymore and I'm real slow, um, walking around and, and I'm probably overly cautious now. Well, you know, uh, it's better than getting hit again, you know? <laughs> you know? Oh, it absolutely is. We, we, uh, we, a couple months ago, uh, the, our, our dogs here at, at our, at our home in mid County, we live next to a, a drainage ditch and the dogs were flipping around outside. What's going on? What's going on? My wife tells me it's a snake. And so I come outside and I'm like, Oh, it's another cotton mouth. And, um, at, at this point, like, I'm like, this is, this is a demonic attack. Like snakes are coming after me. I got you. Yeah. And, I grab a shovel, start swinging it, and uh, I'm like, yeah, it's a cottonmouth, it's a cottonmouth, and I kill it, and it was a water snake. I have this, this I, I have this, not a worry, but this reoccurring thought when I'm out in the woods, like, man, I really don't want to get hit again, because I know that feeling like, man, now I have to go fight in the hospital <laughs> against this thing. And then I talk to all these people who've been nicked by copperheads and things like that. Oh, I didn't do nothing about it. I'm like, you must have not got a wet bite then. And my thing is this. I want, I love snakes. I mean, I have snakes at our right. Wildlife Center. I like venomous snakes. They're awesome. I just don't want to be bitten by one. But right. I, this Dark Outdoors is a real program, and we're very un-PC. We're just trying to tell the truth. Snakes bite folks. Uh, snakes are not guardians of nature trying to save the no. environment. They're doing their thing. 
And uh, when animals have a conflict with people, we're always on the side of the people. Um, right. We also want to raise awareness to, you know, there are a lot of non-venomous water snakes that are completely harmless. But when you're in cottonmouth country or copperhead or rattlesnake or whatever, you got to be really careful out there. And um, I really appreciate you sharing your story. I mean, you mentioned you have PTSD. When did you serve, sir? Uh, it's from 2006 until 2014. I said, were you in Iraq or Afghanistan or both? I was, I was in both, uh, in Africa. I, I was, uh, enlisted air crew, special mission aviator on AC-130 U-model gunships, spooky twos. Well, man, thank you for your service there. Um, yeah, thank, thank you for what you're doing, brother. I'm glad our nation, um, is now recognizing that it's not just people who have the physical, you know, damage or lost their lives. It's also the mental aspect. And, um, we, we, yep. pray, we pray for every uh, veteran and person who's went through these great stresses out there. But, you know, PTSD also happens. I, I interviewed someone that got attacked by a hog. And, yeah. um, dude, I mean, he didn't say PTSD, but I'm listening to him. I mean, who wouldn't have with a 150-pound hog standing on your chest, slashing at your throat, you know, some kind of an after effect of this. So hopefully someone who listens to this program is out there. You know what? I might want to invest in snake boots, or I might want to be a little more cautious for sliding in that pit blind out there on the prairie. What's crazy is, is, is and I'll just tell you for you and all your listeners, the Holy Spirit told me before it happened. I was on my way there. I was I was on the highway. I was on seventy three between Winnie and Anawak. Yeah. And Holy Spirit reminded me, you left your snake boots on the porch. Mm. And I was like, I'm not turning around to go get snake boots. I'm already three quarters here. No. I got it. And he was like, Nope, you, you need to go back and get them. I'm like, I'm not doing it. Well, if I would have, it'd have saved me a three hundred and forty six thousand dollar hospital bill. Well, $346,000, Uber pain, all kind of stuff yep. from a snake. But, you know, hopefully someone can learn from this. We're trying to raise it. Snakes are not evil, but at the same time, they bite. This is Chester Moore, editor-in-chief of Texas Fishing Game, the oldest and largest outdoor magazine in Texas, and its sister website, fishgame.com. Between these two award-winning outlets, we cover everything outdoors in Texas and beyond. While we provide you with plenty of hook-and-bullet how-to information, we have committed to our resources to bringing you the most comprehensive coverage of wildlife, habitat, and environmental issues that we can. You can get this award-winning coverage by subscribing to the Texas Fishing Game Print Edition, six issues a year, by calling 800-725-1134. That's 800-725-1134. Or going online to fishgame.com. You can also sign up for our three times per week e-newsletter to stay current on everything affecting fishing, hunting, camping, shooting, and enjoying the glorious great outdoors. We hope you've enjoyed the program. If you would like a special PDF of our dark outdoor survival tips, email chester at chestermore.com. That's chester at chestermore.com. Connect with our blog at darkoutdoors.com and also see exclusive video content. Remember, before you enter the great outdoors, pray, prepare, and pack heat.